It's time to get your morning started with the news you need to know. News update. This is what's trending with DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. It's the screen from Draymond feeding it open. Clay Thompson, left wing three is good. He is detonating on Utah tonight. Three of five from downtown, 17 points in 10 minutes for Clay Thompson. Back to the basket. Clay gets it from Kaminga, fires a three, hits another one. Oh, Clay Thompson, seven of 11 from downtown. He's got 35. Pass intercepted by Keontae. Push it to Lowry for three. Ball is in the hands of Chris Dunn. It's to Sexton in the corner. He gets a look for three. He missed it. He got a wide open right side three ball look, and he missed it. That's not fair. On a night of electric three-point shooting, that's supposed to go in. But it didn't, and the Jazz lose again. Their fourth straight loss. The Warriors beat them 141-37. It's easy to look at the end of the game and say they lost it there, and I suppose they did because it would have been in overtime if that shot had gone in. But PK, 84 points allowed in the first half. Horrific. If we're going to lower the bar, though, at least in this loss, they were competing at the end of the game, and they fought back. They didn't roll over, but mistakes were made early and often, and they dug a massive hole. They were down 18 going to the fourth quarter. That didn't have to happen, but it did, and they paid for it. Yeah, 84. Wow, that's a startling <laughs> number to be able to allow another team to score that many points. And then the Clay Thompson third quarter show. Yeah. He's my my nominee, my winner for sixth man of the year. I know he only has one game, but so what? What a game. <laughs> now you've done it, Clay. Now you have to stay on the bench. <laughs> well, why wouldn't you, man? He, I mean, obviously, he found a shooting touch there. That third quarter was uh, it was electric. The whole, I mean, Not the whole game, because 84 points is an astounding number. And the Jazz, what, were 71. So, yeah. I mean, the Jazz offense obviously has been pretty good. They've got to work on the defense. Uh, and the, thir- uh, the, the fourth quarter, I was... So entertained because I think that was two punch drunk teams playing the night before the Warriors getting in at two in the morning, whatever it was. I thought it was like uh, who who can muster up enough energy to compete? It looked like the Warriors were just totally dead in the water there. Their legs were rubberized and obviously Curry did not have a good shooting game. But they had other guys make up the difference and the Jazz battled, you know, I mean, at least it's better than what we've been seeing the last three games, they, they came out there. They, It was highly entertaining. From a fan perspective, it was like the Rose Bowl. Your team didn't win, but wow, what a game. High scoring. I'm wondering if the starting backcourt, that was the highest point total ever by a Jazz starting backcourt, where they have 68. Yep. I mean, those two guys really had it going on. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch Keontae George like, okay, I got it tonight, man. I know I'm a rook, but so what? I I'm really feeling feel it. it. Yep. Yeah, and that's something that you can really build upon. And Sexton seems like he's one of the more confident guys ever. <laughs> Not just in the league, but ever. You know, the way he was doing his thing and and I liked it in a in a coming upon a car crash scene of Collins practically crying on that turnover. Have it mean something. He made a mistake. Uh, it's not like that mistake was the only mistake made. It was a crucial time. I get it. 
but I, I like that it really bothered him, and I want them to care. I mean, otherwise he played well. At least what we're looking at can provide some momentum going into the break. Yes, it is a low bar, but I agree with you. At least they competed, and the message is uh, you can fight back. Bad things happen. That was a horrific, just a horrific. They gave up 48 points in the second quarter. This is a horrific quarter, but at least you fought back from it. And so it was entertaining. Yeah. It was entertaining. It was. You don't have to just and now you're going to have five days off or whatever it is, and when you come back and you integrate Otto Porter into the lineup, all I got to say is two words, look out. That auto be good. Is that what you're saying? I mean, Otto, when Otto comes in and he gets himself in shape, he's a lockdown defender and an elite scorer. You mark my words, Otto Porter. Walker Kessler and Keontae George are headed for the NBA Rising Stars Challenge. That is tonight in Indianapolis. A little four-team mini tournament, 7 o'clock on TNT. Everybody else scatters to the four winds. Go home, go to the beach, go to wherever. And they'll be back next uh, Thursday. Is it marketing in the three-point shooting? Oh, he did get added. Yes, you're right. You're right. So he has to go. That will be Saturday. So he's got uh, he's got a travel day. Kessler and Keontae George, <laughs> right back at it tonight. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Williams ahead for Aldama. Lobs for Zaire Williams. High into the night and bring him down a two-handed jam. Alley-oop, Aldama to Zaire Williams. Ant with it up top. Ibu Baji. He's got the difficult challenge of trying to slow down again. Off to Monte Morris back up top. It is Ant straight away on the three and he drains it. 34 for Ant. He has feasted against the Blazers in this two-game series. Anthony Edwards finishes with 34 points. The Timberwolves blow out the Blazers, 128-91. to And the only other game in the NBA last night, the Grizzlies in Memphis stunned the Bucs, 113-110. to Zaire Williams, 27 points in that game. Well, if I'm the Bucs, I can Glenn and bring back Budenholzer. Oh, nice. <laughs> Just spin that, mer- spin that merry-go-round as fast as possible. I mean, come on, man. It's Three not, and seven? It's not happening. And he was pretty critical. We had guys, uh, what, what was the phrase he used? Cabo. Uh, Cabo, yes. I was trying. I was going to say Cancun. I knew that was wrong. Uh, yeah, guys were already uh, checked out and headed for Cabo. And it's a uh, it's a brutal run here for them. Uh, but maybe they'll come out of it on the other side of uh, the break and play better. Back-to-back losses to end it. And what was it you said? Seven out of ten. I think he's three and seven is his record since he took over. The Clippers find uh, Clippers forward PJ Tucker was fined seventy five thousand dollars by the NBA for what the league described as public comments expressing a desire to be traded. Tucker has expressed frustration with his lack of a role with the Clippers on multiple occasions after being part of the James Harden deal. Tucker played just twelve games before being benched by Ty Lue. He last played November twenty seventh. The league find a guy that that's I don't remember that happening before because you want to be traded. If a team were upset with a player, I get it. The league. That one struck me as weird. OK. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Long rebound dug up by Gabby Marshall. Scoops a pass to Clark. Logo three. Got it. 22 is now number one 
Caitlin Clark is the NCAA's all-time scoring leader in women's basketball history. Deep, deep three to set the record as she goes off for a career-high 49 points. And Caitlin Clark also had 13 assists, and Iowa beat Michigan 106-89. You want a show, you want entertainment, she'll shoot it from anywhere, she'll make it. And the record-breaking shot just showed us what we've seen uh, so many times before. That was deep, BK. This morning, I got up earlier than usual and went on the Iowa site and ordered a Caitlin Clark jersey. Just making that up? No. Hey, I've been on this gal and her greatness for two years now. 100%. But I, uh, you getting up early and ordering in Iowa, you're, you're cap guy. If you had said cap, I would have believed you 100%. But you're not really jersey guy. I got a few jerseys. I got a Mimito Kerr jersey. I got a Derek Jeter jersey. My wife, during the Super Bowl, she wore a Larry Fitzgerald jersey jersey. I'd be more into jerseys if they weren't so freaking expensive. Expensive, exactly. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> But the Okur one I got after he was done, the the Derek Jeter one I got at uh, the Angels Stadium, and it was the All-Star. Remember the Angels had it, the mm-hmm. All-Star game there? And so we went, we were going down for Fact 12 Media uh, after, like a couple weeks after, so they were all greatly reduced. So you could pick up uh, a few uh, after things happen, after they get traded, and then Kerr, he obviously retired and all that stuff. But she's just an amazing player, and that was so fitting, that shot. It was like the most fitting record set in basketball since Abdul-Jabbar in Vegas with the hook shot. The signature move. Remind us how you got there. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? That's you're, you, you're just barely getting across half court. I'm open. Swish. <laughs> Boom. It's an incredible player. If you're not entertained by her, something's wrong with then you. Then you don't like basketball. So next up, she has the NCAA Division I record now, but there are two women who scored more points in college basketball in the pre-NCA era, which was, right. I think, 82. So Lynette Woodard, who was famous because she played with the Globetrotters sure. also. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she was a University of Kansas star. So she's yeah, at yeah, 3,649 yeah. points. And so Caitlin Clark ought to get there. I was going to say in another... Uh, I don't know, five or six games. But if she's going to put 49-point games up, it's going to happen a lot faster. Sunday. <laughs> and then beyond that, I uh, I remember Lynette Woodard, but I don't remember Pearl Monroe of Francis Marion, who scored 4,061 oh, yeah. points. Uh, his brother, uh, Earl? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Earl. Her brother, I mean? Come on. No. No, I don't remember that. That's a, that's a But you nice remember name. Lynette Woodard. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember more for the Globetrotters, but right. I mean, I knew of the name. Right. Well, games weren't on TV. You didn't sit around and watch Kansas basketball. I mean, that was a different era. That wasn't happening. I was reading a thing just the other day of the, you know, who's the greatest women's all, all-time player. And two players that I saw personally when I was in the L.A. area, Cheryl Miller and then Lisa Leslie. I was yeah. working the desk the night at Daily Breeze. That we, get a, we get a prep phone call around 9 o'clock. And we had to redo the whole page because Leslie poured in 105 points and it was no longer on the back page. We moved it to the front. <laughs> she went to uh, Morningside there in Inglewood. Uh, Other college basketball stories. The Utes, they remain winless on the road in Pac-12. A perfectly winnable game against USC. They couldn't do it. They dug an early hole. I thought watching the start of that game, terrible shot selection. Just 
casting the ball up there, hoping it would go in and taking contested threes. And they dug an early hole. They fought back and took the lead in the second half and played better, but it wasn't enough, and they lose 68-64 at USC. USC climbs out of the cellar into 11th place with that win. They're now a game in front of Oregon State. That was a high-quality game. The Utes shot 36%, 19% from three. The uh, Trojans, 40%, 20% from three. They added to Trojans to prove they can't shoot. 61% from the line. I know some people were complaining about the free throws or the refereeing, but the Utes actually shot three more, so shut up. Uh, and yeah, those, at this point, you must just go. Be perfect at home. Well, you can't. I guess you can't be perfect at home anymore. Uh so make it make it symmetrical. Still find a way to get one road win. I don't think it'll be Sunday because they're going up against a hot team that's won six in a row and eight out of nine. UCLA won again. They beat Colorado last night. Utah will be at UCLA to about 5 o'clock Sunday on FS1. But I thought they would beat ASU, and they didn't. So now watch them beat the Bruins. What do I know? Dylan Jones, a couple of late free throws in Weber State, rally to beat Idaho 70-69. to they, they are able to get that victory. Tomorrow, BYU's on the road at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, 2-9 in the Big 12, last place. That game's at noon on ESPN+. It's got W written all over it, PK. Must get the W. I, yeah, I don't think it's a must-get a win, though. Uh, I would disagree with that. Uh, but it would certainly be nice, and it would buy you uh, some what's um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I can't think of the word right now. But it would buy you some wiggle room, I guess, in case you lost a game that you thought you might be able to win. Uh, but I don't know that there's any really any game that you thought you might be in the begin would win this would probably be the most likely Oklahoma State's coach the other day I think it was yesterday was pretty much whining about the NIL and how it was much uh, harder to recruit a player back just a few years ago you had to work 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 now you just have to pay 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 okay I will take must off the table because obviously they can lose this game and still make the NCAA tournament but should win need to win I think the only game that's on paper you never know when someone's going to come out and start firing threes from all over the right, place and be right. hot. Especially on, in this conference. But on paper, the only game that's easier than this would be Oklahoma State at home. And they're going to play the last place team twice. This is it. So go get it. It's just on the road. We saw freaking UCF beat Kansas. I mean, yeah. And I realize uh, they have a better record than the Cowboys, but still. Well, and nothing explains the power of the home court better than watching the Utes this season. I mean, they just can't get it done on the road, and they keep doing it at home. With the exception of Arizona, and even that was triple overtime. Triple overtime. And it's the same team, but the venue is mattering that much. Right. Utah State's on the road. They're at Colorado State, 3.30 on CBS Sports Network. Scotty G will be on the air at 3 o'clock with the call on the zone tomorrow. The Aggies, 9-3, and three, all alone in first place. CSU, 7-5, can tighten up the race. Everybody in the, league's rooting, everybody in the league's rooting for the Rams to tighten that thing up tomorrow. Except for the Aggies. Except for the Aggies. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I wasn't listening to those guys because they they really turned me off, I have to tell you. I'd rather... <laughs> they do. They turn me off. I listened at the end of the game and I listened to Tony Romo ruin the moment. Just shut up 
and let us savor the moment. Just be quiet. Nance had already said jackpot. You know, like he had already said that's that should have been the end of the conversion. I don't need to hear your analysis of what just happened. I just watched it. I want to watch the moment. I want to enjoy the moment as a sports fan. Well, Charlie Weiss is right from the broadcasting perspective. You're supposed to, quote unquote, lay out in the moment and let the players celebrate and let the crowd cheer. And you can run a replay later and explain why the play worked. That doesn't have to be done right then. But man, where's Charlie been? We haven't heard from him in a while. There's plenty of uh, plenty of fans at different schools who'd like to say, Charlie, you ruined plenty of moments. What are you doing? Well, if you want to know why he's irritated, yeah, he's a Jersey native. <clears throat> He lives in a constant state of irritation. <laughs> he, That's his jerseyness. He got his start in the in, in Booton, which is right, literally, literally right next door to Persephone. So those guys are, they're they're always irritated. I, I mean, I just, I guess announcers can annoy you, but I just, I just listen right through it. Turn the sound down then, if that if it's that big of a deal, right, Yock? Come on, Yak. Godless Yak. I don't know what you said. You only said that to BK. (laughs) You could have said it to me, too. I knew you wouldn't say it on the air. So now Yak's reporting what he said is don't drag me into this. But yes, when when Yak has been irritated, we know he turns down the sound. Well, can't you just do that? You can. Absolutely, you can. I honestly don't remember anything they said. They're, they're games I have to watch, obviously, right? The local teams are playing. And they're games that I still need to watch to know what's going on. But we're not going to break down play-by-play, play, you know. But it could be a team playing that impacts the local teams. And I've been at home, and I told my wife, no, go ahead, tell me whatever about whatever's going on, whatever. The game's going to be on, and my eyes may go to it, but I'm listening to you. The sound is down. I don't need to hear what they say about this. You can watch a game with the sound down and still track it. Especially now, they have all the graphics up, down and distance, and the shot clock's on the screen, and it's all there. You can follow a lot of it. So basically, your job is irrelevant. Sometimes I've thought that, honestly. (laughs) Well, on the TV side, on the radio side, but yes. Well, duh. (laughs) Well, I know, but I'm not doing TV play-by-play anymore, and for a while I was. And when, you will when again. I was, Hold when on. I was figuring out, well, probably when I was figuring out what to do, minim- when I figured out what to do, I was like, you got to minimize this. I mean, most of it, I'm just telling people what they can see. What if do they really not know? With your back room maneuvering like you did with the soccer, yeah, you'll get another one. Yeah, that's not how it works. But that's a good theory. <laughs> I only know what I heard. Yeah, you know, you heard from someone so <laughs> super bitter. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, I spelled the timeline out for you, and you're like, yeah, that doesn't add up. I'm like, I know. I only know what I heard, man. Uh, Don't blame me. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, DJ PK. Let's, uh, have we got any more uh, football we want to yeah. get to here? Oh, you got one other thing. Oh, uh, Geno, Geno Smith, Smith, who has a $12.7 million uh, payday on his contract that's said to be fully guaranteed today, was informed... He will remain on the roster and collect the guarantee. Do you get a better phone call than that? Uh, by the way, we are keeping you. You're getting that money. That's pretty sweet for Good Gino. for him. I mean, he bounced around. He's one of the guys who went into New York, took a ton of heat. He went to Seattle. He got him to the playoffs one year, and he got him down to the last week of the season. It's like if you're not a Hall of Fame quarterback, 
Can you still be a good quarterback in the league? He's a B or a B minus. But sometimes those guys get talked about like they're an F. They're a total failure. Useless. DJ PK. Hashtag college football. LSU freshman running back Trey Ollie turned himself in to the Union Parish Sheriff's Office yesterday and faces a charge of attempted second-degree murder. It's one of three felony charges he's facing tied to a shooting last week in Farmerville, Louisiana. It's being held on $512,000 bond and has been suspended indefinitely. Duh. Georgia's state coach Sean Elliott abruptly left the program. He's led for seven seasons after agreeing to return to join the South Carolina staff as tight ends coach. Elliott told ESPN, This was not a professional move, but a personal move. We've made it work for seven years with my family still living in Columbia, South Carolina, and I even thought about not coaching this year. I promised my daughter I would be there for a senior year of high school, and when this opportunity came up to go back to South Carolina coach again, it was, something, it was, not, it was something I could not pass up. I've always loved South Carolina. Seven years away from your family to coach football. Seems like a long time. We hear a lot of horror stories in coaching. People moving around. Kids separated or parents separated from their kids. Well, I guess that separates the kids from the parents as well. They're also I mean, two days into spring camp here. Yeah. I mean, I get it. That's rough for Georgia State. But, man, PK, you've talked to coaches about this in depth. The, the personal price to pursue the career and the dream, it, it can be hard. Oh, yeah, obviously. Uh, but, you know, it's really no different. My father-in-law, uh, he worked for the airline company He's in, when my wife was in high school, and they closed the office in Arizona, and he had two choices. Well, three, I guess, would be quit. Uh, either go to Los Angeles or Dallas. So, And she's told me about it a million times, how hard it was. Uh, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> what, what, what can you say? Right. What, what are you going to do? Yep. Well, in Sean Elliott's case, he's going to go coach tight ends. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Look, I'm 65, okay? I just started a five-year term. Do that math, right? That makes me 70 years old. You can only have so much fun um, in one lifetime. Um, I have been open with them about the fact that this is going to be my last term. You know, I said it before to them before the election in July, and I'm absolutely committed to that. That's Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. He has done the math and has decided he is going to wrap it up when his term expires in January of 2029. He replaced Bud Selig in 2015. He's done two five-year terms. This will be his third. And PK, how does this apply locally? He's talked about what expansion takes, and the commissioner has got a lead on this. Now, there's usually an expansion committee, and there's owners with strong thoughts. So it's not like everything rests on him. I'd be surprised. But at the same time, he's an important piece of the expansion puzzle. I don't know that the timeline will or won't change, but for everybody who's interested in, in Utah getting an expansion team, this could be significant. And maybe it's not. Maybe it just keeps rolling, but it seems like an unknown when he throws this out there. That's yeah, five years away, though. They, they'll have it solved. They could. I, yeah. I, I kind of chuckled to myself, man, who gives a five-year notice? Yeah, Rob Manfred. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I'm going to retire in five years. and I mean, you can have a personal plan, but you give a five-year notice? That seems a long ways away. Former, uh, it is, and everybody gets to change their mind, so who's to say, right? Well, I'll tell you right now. Yeah. When I'm 70, I'm going to retire. 
Okay. And that's longer than five years. And will you change your mind and retire before then? No. I'll will you change your mind and up. take one more contract? Is Rob Manfred yeah, going to come along in 28 and go, you know what? I will take one more deal. I'm telling you right now, when I'm 75, I'm going to retire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Former Major League Baseball outfielder Lenny Dykstra had a stroke this week. He is recovering at the UCLA Medical Center. His former Met teammates, Daryl Strawberry and Kevin Mitchell, bringing everyone up to date on Dykstra's condition. I saw that. Apparently, Mitchell uh, and uh, Strawberry are still tight with him. Yeah. It's kind of cool. There is what is trending. Coming up, David Locke, Radio Voice of the Jazz, is going to be here at 8 o'clock. We'll talk with him about the game last night. The question of the day is next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Accessing. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. Bob Nightingale, Major League Baseball columnist for USA Today. There were some comments that you made prior that you feel like Nashville and Salt Lake City may be the leaders right now. Is that accurate? Do you feel like Salt Lake has a decent shot at this? Yeah, I'm talking to baseball uh, officials. They want, you know, one team east, one team west. And, uh, you know, I asked them who the leaders in the clubhouse are. You know, it's always been Nashville. But, they, uh, yeah, Salt Lake, just with the uh, the funding and the ownership group and everything else, you know, they like what they see a lot from uh, Salt Lake officials. And, uh, you know, right now, I, I, I think they're in a great position, you know, to get that team whenever expansion comes. Catch Hanson Scotty weekdays from noon to 3 on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. So, so, so. Hot Takes Your Toes brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen with 30 years of serving Utah. The Jazz lose a thriller, but isn't that the kind of effort you can live with? Steve hops on board the question of the morning. Says, "Sure is nice to see some heart and effort. Too bad it's such a rarity. It really that that fourth quarter was that the best quarter they played since uh, it was the best quarter of the week. It's the best quarter they played since even the first trade because there was one game last week part of this streak that was sandwiched in between the two trades. It's the best basketball we've seen in a while. Yeah." I don't think there's any question about that. And then when you add Otto Porter in the mix, I'm telling you, man. We're going to ignore that. Jaden, the effort was better, but consistent effort would be nice. Awesome fourth quarter, though. The people who watched the entire game saw some brutality. Ned, the fourth quarter effort, yes, but quarters two and three were unwatchable. Uh, I mean, I, I did watch them, but it was painful. Mm, yeah, I think you're going to have to live with some downtime. So you're this is you want consistency. I don't think you're going to get it. They're going to need more talent. Their margin of uh, their margin is so small, very thin. Right. Yeah, and it's not a knock. It's just a reality. I think. Brian, fourth quarter was good. Not sure what they were doing there in the second and third quarter. I was at the game. Man, I can see them Warrior fans almost as bad as Laker fans. They started doing Warrior chants. The best part of the night was Curry missing two free throws in the last two minutes. That never happens. He was gassed. Didn't he look like he was just gassed on fumes? He's carried a huge load for that team. He's having a great season. And even that is just... 
getting them to 10th in the West. I mean, the first quarter wasn't so bad uh, defensively, I mean, but they also scored 39 points, uh, 48 in a second. Uh, that's an astronomical number. Even when you score 32, usually if you score in the 30s in any individual quarter, that's a pretty good quarter offensively. But when you, the other team is scoring 48, I mean, you want to talk numbers that are astounding. That is, <laughs> nice. That is astounding right there. That's eye-popping, right? There's no doubt about that. Uh, but, uh, you know, they regrouped a little bit. They still were, still scored 36. But the, the, the third quarter was the Clay Thompson quarter. I mean, I was watching Dunn. He's trying to, when you're, when you're shooting from long distance and you're getting f- four or five screens and re-screens and everything, and he knew he had it going on. I actually was entertained by that. At this point, the Jazz aren't going anywhere, so winning a ball game uh, is not going to determine anything. Now, I'm not saying you lose every game, but I'm talking about an individual game. Winning one game uh, is what I'm, I'm speaking specifically about. So from an entertainment factor, and I'm not the hardcore George Jazz fan, so it's easy to say for me, but I enjoyed Clay Thompson's return to glory party there in the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter was all sorts of exciting, man. It was one of these things where you couldn't turn on the TV. Or, I, I, was, I was flipping over the Colorado-UC uh, Los Angeles game uh, just because, you know, I follow it. Uh, but in the fourth quarter, no. <laughs> I was locked in through the commercials. And it's like, get me back to action. That was a thrilling quarter. And this group needs something to build on, right, because they've lost a couple of guys. And that quarter, all right, let's go build on it. Don't oh, – I don't even know who you play first game out of the break. but Charlotte. Lay, okay, well, go ahead and continue. Uh, I mean, I don't know that they're going to score 137 and, and Sexton and George are going to combine for 68. They're not. But – <laughs> you but know at that. the same time, marketing isn't going to go six for 23. True story. And I love the fact that he sucked shooting, but he still hit a couple of big threes. I mean, you got uh, George and, and Clay Thompson and those guys, they got it going on that night, right? All right, when you got it going on, you're putting the ball in the hoop. Good for you. But I like to see guys, when it's not going for them, still find the way to make a big bucket. And marketing made a couple. So that showed me something there. On a night he was horrendous, he still had the confidence and the ability to make a couple of buckets when it wasn't happening from him. And from distance, too. I think so. I mean, I'm looking for small signs. There's no doubt about it. And I, I found some. One of the small signs, and maybe it's a little bigger than a small sign, when they change the starting lineup and Keontae George goes in, Will Hardy says, and, and Yak has had it in the Jazz updates earlier this week, you know, it's Keontae's time. It, this is it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. everybody's got to figure this stuff out. And he was in a close fourth quarter. There was lots of adrenaline and electricity flow in that arena. Some big plays were made. I'm sure he's looking at some of those possessions thinking, I got sped up and I made a bad play there. I mean, I think that happened without question. But until he goes through it, the – you can't know something until you go through it. And so now he's done it one time. And it's going to have to be repeated. And it's going to have to be repeated on bigger stages with more pressure. But I think games like that are the start of the process. And before the game, Will was asked a question about young players developing. And he took it. And where he went was, the guys have to learn 
when you're playing, um, I think Locke asked a question about, uh, you know, when stars go off, how hard is it for a team that doesn't have Kawhi Leonard and he gets it going and you don't have Anthony Davis and he gets it going to value the offensive possession. So even if this guy's going, it doesn't turn into a 10-0 run. You have to go down and have a good possession and score and at least offset them a little bit. And Will got into that's hard. Guys get sped up. The arena gets in their head, and they're thinking, I got to go make a play right now. Well, you got 24 seconds to make a play. So, what is the right play? Where is the best matchup? When do you have the advantage? As opposed to, I got to go right now. And so they got so to go through that last night. And you can't know something unless you've gone through it. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't think Keontae George knows how to handle the electricity in the arena. And Steph Curry just scored. Now I got to go score. You got to go through that. So I can't know about the Civil War. Yes, you can know about the Civil War to a degree. But I think people who've gone through war know more about going through war than those of us who have not gone through war. You can certainly learn something about it. And that's a pretty extreme example. I'm talking about getting sped up by Steph Curry in the fourth quarter of an NBA game, and you went to the Civil War. So thanks for that. But at the same time, if you've got veterans in your family, there's so many people who tell you, yeah, they never talked about it. Now, that doesn't mean that Yach hasn't read Stephen Ambrose books on World War II that you should read that we were talking about yesterday, because that does help you tell the story, but it's not the same as being in it. Man, you're talking really fast right now. Yeah, well, we're uh, up against it on the clock. i got a lot to say in the last minute before Yach starts screaming at us to go to break. Okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm backing off, man. You got something to say? Say it. I'll give you another example. The opening scene when Tom Hanks is storming the beach. Okay, we're never, we're not of the right generation. We didn't storm the beach, but. Is that the movie ball, the movie Castaway? No, not that beach. Tom, oh. Tom Hanks has been on multiple beaches. Wilson! Okay, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> the moment is gone. It's talking World War II and D-Day, and you guys end up with a volleyball in the South Pacific. <laughs> Although I thought Castaway was a good movie. And then he comes home and his wife's married. But what was she going to do? She thought he was dead. Exactly. And it was Helen Hunt, so you know it was a great Wilson! movie. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Wilson. Wilson. Goes into Tom's mental illness. I'm sorry. Wilson. 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 Oh, man. When we come back, Caitlin Clark, that's a record. How amazing is it? You're weighing in. We got that next. DJ and PK, 97.5 The Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present? This is JJ and Alex. Brett McMurphy, Action Network, and Brett does a phenomenal job covering college football. We're glad to have him on the program. Brett, thanks for being with us again. In my bold projections, the Big 12 champ, I have them seated fourth in my college football playoff vote projections and that big 12 champ that i have seated fourth is none other than your utah youth and look before everyone you know runs starts calling mark harlan for for uh, playoff tickets uh <laughs> keep this in mind last year my dark horse to win the big 12 text tech catch jj and alex afternoons from three to six presented by g2g bars on 97.5 the ksl sports zone in the paint feel you with 12 a Fulter free throw line extended left clark comes off a screen three pointer swish 
left to the top of the key, and there it is, 49 for Caitlin Clark. The single best scoring performance by an Iowa basketball player. The band of the day today is Santana. It's brought to you by Live Nation. Santana will be at the Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on August 21st. Tickets go on sale at 10 a.m. this morning at Ticketmaster.com. All right. Question up on Facebook. How amazing is all-time NCAA women's scoring leader Caitlin Clark? You just heard the highlight there. She wraps up the game with a career-high 49 points. Breaks the NCAA scoring record for women's basketball, and now we'll uh, chase down at least one of two legends in the uh, AIAW era in the 70s. How amazing is she? And Craig says, it's Caitlin Clark's world, and we're just living in it. Steve says, more entertaining than the jazz. Nice shot. And uh, Steve Williams says, goat, the greatest of all time. I just think you have to appreciate her ability and the way she can handle all this unbelievable adulation that's just coming her way. I mean, it's incredible. Doesn't seem to I throw her off track. Any, Doesn't seem to throw off track in at Iowa. All. Go anywhere in that state. And she's brought a lot of attention to a sport that could use attention. Well, you know, usually it gets mocked and scorned. One of the dumbest arguments that I've ever heard, and it just chafes me every time. Oh, well, a good high school boys team can beat that team. So what? So what? A good uh, 10-year-old team could be beaten by a good 15-year-old team. There's certain physical advantages that some folks have. And I I hate that comparison. You know, the soccer team got beat, the U.S. soccer team, by a bunch of high school kids or whatever, or some high school all-star team or so. So what? What does that have anything to do with it? So what? Who cares? They're not, they're not competing against them, competing in their own realm, so to speak. So she's brought a ton of positive, positive publicity to a sport that I don't want to say desperately needs it, but could use it because if you can't appreciate that, there's no yeah buts. All right, I get the ball smaller, so what? I, I don't care about that. I mean, the hands are smaller too, so it, it's fine there. But to be draining shots from 35 feet as if they're two feet, le- two foot layups all the time, how's that not impressive? It is impressive, and I just wonder where the sport is evolving because it looks different. In the previous segment, when we were talking about the Jazz. There were people posting about this. The game has changed big time, right? It doesn't look like the game from 10 years ago. It definitely doesn't look like the game from 25 years ago. It has changed so much. And Steph Curry was just in town. You know, He didn't hit a bunch of logo threes last night. But he does that kind of stuff. And Lillard does that kind of stuff. Now Caitlin Clark is doing it. When we have Steve Cleveland on, he talks about how he goes to his grandkids' game and the 10-year-olds – they go straight to the three-point line, and they're hoisting them up. And furthermore, they're hitting a bunch of them. So when 10-year-olds watch this, and they've been watching Steph Curry, where does the game go? Where does it evolve to? And what, how different is it going to look in 10 years? Because I think it is wildly entertaining, and absolutely 10-year-olds are going to emulate Caitlin Clark without question. Well, you can emulate all you want, but you got to do it. Yeah, 
and most and most people can do it, but there's another generation of really good basketball players. Like you say, the game always reinvents itself. Another generation of players come on, come on the scene, and whatever the sport, they put their own spin on it, and that's what this generation of shooters is doing in basketball, and where does it go from here? Because there was a time we would never see those 35-footers. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that the the philosophical nature of the game is different, but I don't know that we're going to see players being able to do what she's doing. They're taking it to the extreme. She's taking it to the mm-hmm. extreme. So the, the the amount of threes is always going to increase. But there's there's only a limit. I mean, what the Jazz shoot forty nine? Are they supposed to shoot seventy? I actually think just the constant barrage of three. I do find that a little boring. Because it looks the exact same. Yeah. And I thought in the Jazz game there was this, uh, a portion of it at a time that it was looking a little – all right, when they were just kind of doing the same thing. It's like baseball before they changed the rule, the strikeout home run. The home run is exciting, but if that's all I'm getting, it's also a little boring. Yep. Because you're not having the athleticism of some of these guys that if you hit a gapper, watch them book it and see how they run and how they cut the corner to make sure they're mm-hmm. minimizing their steps to get the third right. and so forth. And some so right there's f- other ways to be entertaining. Some right fielder stepping up and just throwing the ball on a line to second base to throw some guy out, you lose that. Yeah, and the changes that they made, they put the running aspect back into the game, more athleticism rather than dudes just, oh, what's my launch angle? And if I K, so what, as long as I get a home run. Uh, so I, and, that, and I think the public responded to that too. So it's important that you don't come predictable and just become an offense of just passing it around and then one guy drives and another defender on the other side collapses and he throws it over to the guy standing on the wing and he hoists a three. I mean, we can't have that either. You still you want to be able to have part of the beauty of basketball to me is the team aspect of passing the ball around the perimeter, putting it inside, going outside, moving the ball to get an open shot and having the form of unselfishness rather than moving the ball to constantly take the three. Because obviously you're going to miss more shots than you make from the three, but because you get one more point, you know, I realize it's effectiveness. So I still like, I like a blend, not one exclusively over the other. Well, once teams are all playing five-out basketball because everybody shoots threes, it ought to favor people who can drive because there'll be less help, if any at all, beat your guy and get to the hoop. Yeah, I thought one of the better plays in the game against the Warriors was Keontae George going down the right side, and I believe he got a three-point play. It was a, Maybe he didn't, but it was a nifty play for him to get to the basket. And when the next Shaq comes along, how are you going to double-team? How far will you have to go? I mean, the post-up play goes away, but at some point does it come back because – and I know Locke will give us the numbers, and, and he's coming up next. He'll give us the numbers, well, you only average this much in the post. It's like, well, that's what people average now when there's no double teams and there's a really good post player. Can someone move the needle and then the change the game? Shack. And keep yeah, evolving. Right. The next Shaq over <laughs> my dead body. Well, that's what they said about the next Wilt, and then people said Shaq's the closest thing to Wilt it. All right, David Locke is coming up next. We'll run all this by him. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone.